On this prequel episode, we've got our Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist fan poll follow-up. We're learning about Terry Pratchett and previewing Hogfather. Hello, welcome back to This Film is Like the Podcast, where we talk about movies that are based on books. It's another week. It's another prequel episode. We're fully in the holiday season. We just finished Thanksgiving. We just put up our Christmas decorations. Mm-hmm. It's the holiday season, so we're getting into it with the hog father. Not the, just No, there's no the. Feels like there should be. It feels like there should be, I agree. Just because of the godfather, I think, more than anything. But anyways, (laughs) we'll be talking about hog father in a little bit. Before we get to that, we want to do what we always do and thank our Academy Award winning patrons. And they are Paul, Kat Endminger, Ben Wilcox, Jeff Niederhofer, Ian from Wine Country, Ready for Spooky Season, Winchester's Forever, Kelly Napier, Gray Hightower, Eli Young's Gratch, Just Gratch, Shelby Says More Sci-Fi Please, V Frank, and Alina Starkov. Thank you all so very much for your continued support. We appreciate it very much. If you didn't know, we mentioned it on Twitter, on social media. If you don't follow us, uh, follow us there. Your money, uh, we adopted Katniss, the cat that we were feeding outside in our backyard for months during the mm-hmm. summer series, and we named her Katniss. Uh, we, we were able to catch her and uh, take her to the vet and get her all taken care of and bring her in, and she is now our third cat, and a lot of those vet bills were paid by you, the patrons. It was not, like, directly, but, you know, like, <laughs> we used the money, uh, some of the money that we had received through patreon for doing this podcast uh to help pay those bills which we thought you all would appreciate seems like the kind of thing you people would be into so and now katniss lives in my lap yes and now katniss is a very delightful indoor cat who uh is very much uh exists to 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 be in katie's lap at all times Mm -hmm. when katie is home so it's very nice, and we uh, we appreciate all of you helping us make that happen. All right, Katie, let's now find out what people had to say about Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Well, not a ton. Yeah, not a ton. <laughs> we what, get I had some a feeling. This, yeah. is, this is one of those movies I never saw. I don't think it was a particularly, like, probably because, it, as we discussed in the episode, it's not great. Yeah, it's kind of forgettable. It's kind of forgettable and mediocre as these types of movies go. So it's not surprising that it, you know, doesn't have the staying power that some of the other Mm -hmm. maybe similar titles from the era might have. You're super bad. Not that that's exactly comparable, but it's, you know. But they both have Michael Sarah, And and it's in the ballpark of like, you know, that teen Mm -hmm. love. Like Superbad's much more of a comedy. But point point stands that it's... uh, it's a little more forgettable compared to yeah. some of these other movies. But we did get some feedback. Uh, we didn't have any comments on Patreon, but we did have two votes for the movie, as well as one listener who couldn't decide between mm-hmm. the book and the movie. On Facebook, we had a grand total of one vote for the movie. Brilliant. We had a comment from Chad who said, re the term mo to refer to homosexuals. Which we talked about in the yes, episode, we did. We discussed neither of us had, neither of us had ever heard that before. No, uh, but Chad said I have encountered that a lot in '90s sitcoms. Mm. You hear it in Will and Grace a lot, which I thought was interesting because I was wondering if maybe that was a case of 
older the, writers. The author, yeah, using a term that maybe they were familiar with, but didn't realize that, like, the kids aren't using that. My other thought would be that it's also potentially was more popular and, and, and maybe even during the time where these kids would be using it just on the East Coast. Yeah, was it, it Isn't be. Will and Grace set in... Think, like New I York or I've, like something. I, I like, don't think I've ever seen a. Full I'm fairly certain, like uh, most '90s sitcoms, are like set were in set York. in New York yeah, or right. you know Philadelphia or whatever. Like a lot of '90s sitcoms are set on the East Coast They're, and or the West Coast, but a lot mm. of them are set in like New York. I feel like, like specifically Will and Grace and Friends, yeah, which are two of the biggest ones, bigger ones. It's Seinfeld also. All three of those are set in New York. So. I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe that yeah, had maybe something to do with it. Maybe it's an East Coast thing. Or a specifically a New York thing. I yeah, don't know. It could, be more, it could be both. It could be dated, but also an East Coast mm-hmm. thing. So, But who knows? But yeah, interesting. Uh, Chad also said, oh, and for why Michael Sarah was the choice for this movie, you have to remember this five-year period. He had, I think, a movie a year around this period. Juno and Superbad were the year before this one. Youth and Revolt, Paper Heart, and Year One it came out the year after. And I now I know I know he was popular around this time. I get that. I just think that Michael Sarah does a very specific thing, and they needed somebody more generic for this character for Nick. Yes, I I understand. I guess I I and maybe it didn't come across. I was never confused as to why like. F- like why, like behind the scenes, Michael mm-hmm. Sarah might have been cast for this movie because like, he was popular. He at was the popular, time. bankable, ki- like yeah. actor at the time. So I get that. My thing was more so of why you would cast him apart from those reasons. Like he doesn't make I sense. Don't, for I, the role yeah, I don't think there's any reason from, other apart from like, financial reasons yeah, or he was popularity popular and or whatever. bankable at the time. I, I, yeah, and that was more our discussion. Yeah, because. He, or more what we're like trying he to get plays a, a he plays a very specific character that works in a lot of roles. And Superbad and Juno are great examples yeah. where I think his his character like works his, really his well in both of those. particular thing that he does works really well. I don't think it worked in Nick and Nora though. Yes. I, like I said, I think they needed somebody like more generic and not somebody yeah. doing a character. Yeah. Anyway, that was all our fa- feedback on Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, we had three votes each for the book and the movie, plus one listener who couldn't decide. Kelly Napier said, went with the book. The movie has always felt too cliched and tropey for me, and I don't enjoy Michael Sarah or Kat Dennings, which makes the movie a hard sell for me. Heresy. <laughs> How dare you? I mean, I, I got to say, though, at least... We had Kat Dennings to soften the blow yes, of without Michael that Sarah. I would find very without little that redeemable this, this, in this film, film would be quite grating. Yes, uh, yeah, very much. On Instagram, we had three votes for the movie and one for the book. Maybe her only exposure to Kat Dennings is Two Broke Girls. Maybe because which that's would be a pretty fair because it's a terrible show. So like that might be fair at least. <laughs> uh, so on Instagram, we had three votes for the movie, one for the book. The Leap 77 said, I don't have a horse in the race since I did not read the book and didn't care much for the movie, but I loved the episode banter you two had about Michael (laughs) Sarah. Also, who in their right mind thinks Kat Dennings is plain? Thank you. I also loved the straight edge stuff. 
In my neck of the woods, we had the devotion to the Virgin Mary, a Catholic straight edge, so to speak, for young women. Hmm. We had a mass for the Virgin Mary of Guadalupe and the young women who were a part of the court celebrated being straight edge and chaste. Hmm. There's a lot happening now. Have you, you not heard of that with your Catholic no. upbringing? Interesting. No, that was not a not anything that we had. Uh, and then, of course, before I discovered IPAs, I was vegan straight edge. Yes, I was completely insufferable <laughs> since it was early in my vegan well, voyage. Well, you went from vegan straight edge <laughs> to vegan and liking IPAs, so you didn't get much less insufferable. <laughs> Brian can say that. I can say that because I drink a lot of IPAs. I'm a big <laughs> fan, but oh <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, boy, that's fun. So the winner in our listener polls was the movie with nine votes to the book's four. I will maintain my correctness in my assessment. Uh, yeah, I mean it's your <laughs> your show. You, <laughs> um, I think. That we probably have a case here of more people having seen the movie or yeah. at least recognized the movie I'm sure than did read the book. I'm sure that's that's a, a big a big part of it for sure. All right. It's time now for us to learn a little bit about Katie's favorite author, Terry Pratchett, or one of them. Yeah, definitely high on the list. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Sir Terry Pratchett was a renowned English fantasy author, probably best known for his expansive Discworld series, which I believe encompasses like around 40 different novels in addition to like surplus material. Mm -hmm. um, Terry Pratchett was born in 1948. At 13, he had his first story published, which was called Business Rivals in, in the school magazine, The Technical Signet. It was later published commercially uh, the following year as The Hades Business. Huh. Um, he left school at 17 to pursue a career in journalism, uh, but he did continue to write. While working at a local newspaper, uh, The Bucks Free Press, he interviewed a local publisher, Peter Bander Van Doren, and happened to mention a book he was working on. Uh, the person he was interviewing then passed that manuscript on to his co-director, Colin Smythe. The manuscript in question was The Carpet People, which was his first novel. Hmm. Um, this began a lifelong friendship. Uh, Colin would go on to become Terry's publisher, later on his agent. Um, that novel, novel was published in 1971 when Terry Pratchett was just around 23 years old. Early start. Yeah. A little bit of a prodigy here. Terry's first Discworld novel, The Color of Magic, was published in 1983. Um, he began writing the Discworld series to, quote, have fun with some of the cliches, which if you've ever read any Terry Pratchett, that yeah. is a lot of what he's doing is having fun with, uh, especially fantasy cliches, but all kinds of different cliches. By 1987, that series was so successful that he was able to give up his day job, became a full-time writer, live in the dream. Um, mm -hmm. Then by 1996, he was a best-selling author in the UK. To be fair, though, yeah, I mean, I guess he's still fairly young, but he was 35 then before he was able to become a full-time writer. Yeah. Or actually, no. But I think 23 is still pretty young to publish 40. a novel. He was actually 40. 
Yeah, when he was able to. Mm-hmm. No, 23 is very young to publish a novel. I was just saying that, like, it's not like he published that novel and then was a full-time right. author no, from, like, in he, his 20s. He built his career. Yeah. Over the course of a couple decades. Right. I guess I guess that's my point, though, is that while being a project, it's still, he had a full-time job, or, you know, he had a day job until he was 40. Yeah. So it's not like he was, <laughs> yeah, that's a little more normal, I feel Although, like. I would argue, as someone getting closer and closer to 40, that 40 is still quite young. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that, that yeah, the, that he wasn't, he wasn't a full-time writer at 23, no. which is what it sounded like initially based on what you had said there, or what I had assumed based on what that, that last fact. Terry Pratchett received numerous awards throughout his career, including the Carnegie Medal for his children's book, The Amazing Maurice and His Educated Rodents the Margaret A. Edwards Award from the American Library Association. Uh, He was the British Book Awards Fantasy and Science Fiction Author of the Year in 1994. Um, He also received the World Fantasy Award for Life Achievement in 2010, among many others. Uh, He held 10 different honorary doctorates, and there's also an asteroid named for him. Wow. To be fair, that's not that much of an accomplishment. I'm not but saying it's kind of cool. cool, but there's a lot of people that have asteroids now because there's millions of them. No, it is. Yes, it there is. Are a lot it of is. There are a lot of asteroids and most of them are just like AQ six, nine, seven, four, five B or whatever. And yeah. Then they can just slap a random name on them. But yes. Well, if that was not enough in 2009, Terry Pratchett was knighted by the queen for services to literature Although he maintained that his greatest service to literature was to avoid writing. Any. Okay, all right, <laughs> smart guy. <laughs> oh, I'm just gonna say it right. Oh. All right. Aside from writing, his other interests included computing, natural history, and astronomy. Terry Pratchett described himself as an atheist and a humanist, and was an honorary associate of the National Secular Society. Among his literary influences, Pratchett has cited Kenneth Graham, Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, P.G. Wodehouse, Tom Sharp, Jerome K. Jerome, is that right? Mm-hmm. Did I copy that right? Yes, I believe Roy so. Lewis, Alan Corrin, G.K. Chesterton, and Mark Twain. Mm-hmm. In 2007, Terry was diagnosed with a rare form of Alzheimer's, posterior cortical atrophy, He continued to work, publishing several more books, um, plus working to raise awareness and donate funds to Alzheimer's research. He was very candid about his struggle with the disease and also campaigned to reform law on assisted dying, including working on a 2011 documentary titled Terry Pratchett, Choosing to Die, which won both Mm. a BAFTA and an Emmy. Uh, Terry Pratchett died in his home on the morning of March 12th, 2015. Terrible morning. I had a bad time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Telegraph reported um, an unidentified source saying that despite his previous discussion of assisted dying, his death had been natural. According to those present, he died peacefully with his family around him and his pet cat asleep on his bed. What a way to go. He had finished one final Discworld novel, The Shepherd's Crown, which is the fifth and final book in the Tiffany Aching series. Mm-hmm. Um, he finished that a few months a few months earlier. It was published posthumously. Um, some Discworld fans have refrained from reading that final novel in order to keep an unread book from Terry Pratchett on their shelves. Hmm. It is interesting. 
I, I guess I don't know the specifics of posterior cortical because he said it was a rare form of Alzheimer's. I guess it must not have affected his mental fact faculties all that much. It must have been much more of a physical. I don't know. For him to be able to write a yeah. mere, mu- you know, write a novel yeah. within a month of, of passing away. you would I would assume that it couldn't have been. Right. It you know, couldn't I, have been like. Yeah, debil- as, as degenerative as, as you see, Alzheimer's as some as Alzheimer's is. is. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, because uh, yeah. it, it's like I said, it does say it's a rare form, so it may be one that doesn't affect your mind as much as like, yeah, maybe you're like whatever. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Off I don't the know. Top of my I don't head. know. It's just interesting. Interesting. Well, now you know a little bit more about Terry Pratchett. Let's learn a little bit about his book that we're discussing next week, Hogfather. If you don't believe in the Hogfather, there won't be any presents. Do you believe in fairy tales? Do you believe in wizardry? Who the hell are you? Hogfather is a 1996 fantasy novel by author Terry Pratchett. It is the 20th Discworld novel. Um, it was also a 1997 British Fantasy Award nominee. Mm-hmm. Um, this novel came in 137th place in The Big Read. Brits have the funniest <laughs> right? names for shit. Like uh, The Big Read the is big like, read. if you asked me what that was, I'd be like, probably some dumb British like reading initiative. Because <laughs> that's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> well, it, what it was, was a BBC <laughs> survey of the most loved British books of all time. Um, and this was one of 15 books by Terry Pratchett in the top 200. Wow. Which is pretty cool. Pretty good percentage. Yeah. Uh, the novel entered the UK top 10 charts at number one as hardback in October of 1996 and at paperback in November of 97. According to Publishers Weekly, Pratchett used a darker tone and edgier satire for Hogfather than his previous work. And in doing so moved beyond the realm of humorous fantasy and into position as, quote, one of the more significant contemporary English language satirists. There you go. They had to say one of the more contemporary significant because Douglas Adams was still alive at the time. (laughs) As was, uh, I guess, Neil Gaiman is still alive. He's not British, though. Yeah, But he's English language. Is he British? British, yeah. I'm like, I, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. I just never, I, I guess I just let me make sure in my head. He might be American. No, I think you're right. He is British. Yes, yeah. They're all three Neil. British. Why are they all British? Why are all three of those guys? Okay. British? Here, here are our top. I typed is Neil Gaiman into my search bar. Is Neil Gaiman alive? Alive. Yeah. Is Neil Gaiman married? Is Neil Gaiman British? Nice. So the three most important things to know about a <laughs> yes, person. Are they alive? Are they married? And are they British? <laughs> He is, in fact, British. Yeah. I thought he was, and then you made me doubt what I knew for a minute. I I don't know. Like, Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams, I know for sure. And for some reason in my head, I wasn't sure about Neil Gaiman. But, but yeah. But they're probably, you know, three of the top ten, I would think, of of contemporary era satirists. They got to be. Maybe Neil Gaiman doesn't fit in as well, I I guess. I was going to say, I don't know that I would call Neil Gaiman a satirist I guess he's not a satirist in the same way, but his writing style reminds me a lot of... I think he plays with tropes, but I don't know that that necessarily makes him a satirist. uh, Yeah, I probably... I guess he wouldn't classify. Yeah. Fair enough. But let let us know what you think. (laughs) Douglas Adams definitely is. Well, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, let's find out now a little bit more about Hogfather, the film. Do you believe in the Hogfather? Have you been good, have you? You will believe. David Jason, Ian Richardson as the voice of death, and Joss Ackland star in Terry Pratchett's Hogfather. The epic fantasy brought to life on DVD. Available this Easter. Hogfather is a 2006 two-part television film broadcast on Sky One over the Christmas holiday in 2006. So this is not a traditional movie. Mm. It is a two-part miniseries or whatever. It's a film. It's still classified as a TV film, but... Because it's not much longer than... It's like around three hours. It's three... A little over three hours. It's two one-and-a-half-hour episodes. So we're like bending our rules ever, ever, ever so slightly. slightly here. It's like a long movie, and it was, yeah. and it is classified as like a TV film on like, like Wikipedia yeah. says it's like a made-for-TV movie. Um, but like I said, it was broadcast in two parts. Yeah. So uh, is re- uh, directed by Vadim Jean. Uh, I'm assuming that's how that would be pronounced, or Vadim Jean. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming Vadim Jean. Uh, but he he's doesn't if he is French, I didn't see what his nationality was, but he mm. works in almost exclusively in the UK. So uh he's both best known for this, honestly, but also Leon the Pig Farmer, One More Kiss, and then a handful of other British TV shows and movies and whatnot. Stuff that I hadn't really heard of. Nothing like big. He mm-hmm. not worked on like Doctor Who or anything like that. Um, but or, when I say nothing big, nothing big that's made it overseas that's also big over yes i guess i should clarify he may have worked on things that were big in the uk (laughs) but nothing that is big enough that it has made it over here um particularly not not that i saw uh it was also written by vadim jean as well as terry pratchett who has uh and this is one of my favorite credits i've ever seen an official script credit of mucked about by that's very terry pratchett yeah so it says written by Vadim Jean, and then in the credits it'll say mucked about by Terry Pratchett. Nice. So there you go. And this is interesting. It's the first live action film adaptation of a Discworld novel, which I would mm. not have expected. I, it is strange to me that seemingly nothing. Yeah. There has I mean, not been a big adaptation of anything have, Terry Pratchett's done other than yeah. Good Omens most recently it, it, on it TV. It is interesting, too, because... He has such an expansive catalog, but not a ton of it has been adapted, like, period. Yeah. I agree. It is interesting to me that it seems like, for whatever reason, a lot of his stuff hasn't. Yeah. Nothing of his stuff has really, like I said, other than Good Omens. Um, yeah. It's probably Omens the most popular thing. The, the biggest, biggest thing. thing. Yeah. The film stars a bunch of British people. I don't know, but I'm going to read them anyways. <laughs> David Jason, Mark Warren, Michelle Dockery, David Warner, John Franklin Robbins, Tony Robinson, Nigel Planer, Peter Guinness, Stephen Marcus, Craig Conway, Rodri Myler, Sinead Matthews, and Ian Richardson as Death, the voice of Death. Nice. And Ian Richardson is a fairly well-known, he's probably the biggest name in there, and this Mm -hmm. was actually also his, I don't know if I have a note about it later, this was also his last film before his death. I assume due to the strange nature of this being like a two-part movie miniseries TV kind of deal that it doesn't is that's the reason it doesn't have a Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic score because it does yeah, not have so. either. Um, it does have a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb with over 10,000 reviews and an 84% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Those are pretty good. Which is not bad. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Uh, and and yeah, uh, ten thousand reviews is quite a few for something like this that I had mm-hmm. not even heard of previous to, to us talking about it on the show. Uh, Terry Pratchett himself has a cameo in the film as a toy maker, uh, and and Pratchett decided that the toy maker was named Joshua uh, Josua Ismay, or it might be Joshua Ismay. I might have just written it down wrong, uh, and that his toy shop is called Toys Is Me, as a play on Toys Are Us. Hmm. I don't know if any of that actually appears in the film, but that, that was his back. That was his head cannon for his character. Uh, so apparently after filming that cameo, as he was traveling somewhere after filming, he was stopped by customs at the airport in Australia. Maybe they filmed in Australia. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He had a large box on him at the time full of plastic teeth from the set. Uh, and this apparently distressed the, uh, the 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 customs agents. He then went on to explain the situation and explain, you know, I'm in a movie, blah, blah, blah. And he pointed out that they probably should have been a bit more concerned with the large box that he had that was marked death. But apparently they weren't concerned about that. So, <laughs> uh, Both Nigel Planer, who plays uh, Sidney and the voice of the auditors, and Tony Robinson, who plays Mr. Crumley, have been readers uh, and voice artists for many of the audiobook editions of the Discworld novels. Also, both have voice acting roles in Discworld video games, which there are Discworld video games, apparently. I did not know that. uh, But yes, uh, the actor who plays Sidney and uh, Mr. Crumbly, they are both, if you are fans of the audiobooks of the Discworld novels, you may find their voices familiar. And that was all I had, because there's not a lot of information out there about this Mm -hmm. movie. There is a making-of documentary... I believe free on iTunes. This is what I read. I don't know if it's true because I didn't have time to look it up and I didn't have time, definitely didn't have time to watch it. But if supposedly there is a making of documentary out there about this movie, um, which usually means there would be more trivia easily or not trivia, but like, you know, like information facts, easily yeah. accessible. But I didn't, there wasn't mm. that much. So interesting. Katie, where can the people watch it? Well, as always, you can check with your local library. Or if you still have a local video rental store, you can check with them. I feel like it might be uh, a slim chance on this one. Yeah. But you can always check. Um, Or you can stream it through Tubi, Acorn TV, Acorn TV through Amazon Prime, Pluto TV, Spectrum, or IMDb TV through Amazon Prime. There you go. And I also want to mention again, mentioned this before, um, that since we are located in the U.S., that can be limiting to what we're able to find out about streaming options elsewhere. Yeah. So or it would just take us a really long time yeah, to go it, find to out what every different. around and yeah. try to figure out what sources were accurate. Um, so anyway, that is to say, if you live somewhere other than the U.S., I know we have quite a few listeners who do. Yeah, specifically Canada, mm-hmm. UK, a lot of English speaking since we yes. speak English, but a lot of other uh, English speaking countries that have a fair amount of listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you don't live in the US, uh, please do not ever hesitate to drop streaming suggestions in the comments on these prequel posts. Yeah. They where are other listeners. To can other find listeners. Them. That would be great. Fantastic. Katie. How far are you in this book? Not very far. Not very far. It's not very long, is it? It's like 350 pages. Oh, so fairly long. We're going to give it a good go. You can do it. (laughs) 
but yeah, I'm 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 excited to watch it because I I I've only read one Terry Pratchett book and I did enjoy it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the Discworld ones. I don't remember, isn't it? I had you read the Re- the We Free Men, yeah, which Free, is yeah. the first Tiffany Aching book, which is generally what I would recommend to someone wanting to read Terry Pratchett, but not necessarily wanting to like jump full force into yeah. Discworld. Yeah. Because they are young adult novels. They're, I think, a little bit more of a, a good introduction to, like, his style and what he's all about. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I Like I said, it reminded me a lot of, as just because I had it as a reference point, of Douglas Adams mm-hmm. um, in terms of style and wit and whatnot. Uh, and so I'm interested to see uh, what, and I, I, I think it's possible that Terry Pratchett wrote on some Doctor Who at some point. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't know if that's the case or I not. I don't know that. But it wouldn't surprise me. Um, so I would be interested. To see, but anyways, point being, I, uh, I'm i looking forward to it because I think it looks, it, it also looks like peak 2000, mid-2000s BBC. It's it, This wasn't yeah. BBC, it was Sky One, but peak uk tv movie like it looks like the early seasons of doctor yes, who from the screen that grabs that i've seen the screen grabs yeah, too because i mean the, the the early seasons of the uh, i don't want to say reboot. early seasons of the reboot of doctor who um was like 2006 or 2007 or something so yeah. it was like the exact same time period roughly uh as this movie so it's gonna look very similar to the uh the, the chris eccleston <laughs> episodes of doctor who which i am psyched about because that's uh, (laughs) so much fun that's gonna be a lot of fun come back in one week's time we're discussing hogfather until that time guys gals not binary pals everybody else keep reading books watching movies and and keep keep being awesome. awesome